Welcome back to Walking Away from Arcadia. This is Simon, and Victor is also here. And today, we're going to do a shorter episode where we talk about the things that were announced at Gen Con, and then we will explain why we're disappearing for a little while. Yes, winter is upon us, as they say. I was at Gen Con again this year, and... Uh, I ran a few games, but I'm not planning on doing a game breakdown. If anyone really, really wants me to do a game breakdown, I can, I can do that on the Facebook group, maybe, if you, if you call out for it. But I did want to talk about what was announced and what was not really announced for Changeling. I was a little disappointed, although not totally surprised, that there were no new Changeling book announcements from Onyx Path. I went to the Onyx Path, you know, All About Us, What Are We Doing panel, and they have a ton of stuff going on. But what they said about Changeling is they're still trying to get the Kickstarter items out, and so that's kept them busy. It's a little, all the game texts are out from the Kickstarter. The two things that are left from the Kickstarter are the anthology and the soundboard, which is apparently seen life again. But they are working pretty heartily on the Changeling Player's Guide. And there's, you know, there's been a leak of text about that. So I'm not totally shocked that there weren't new announcements there, although I kind of had my fingers crossed. The bigger announcement for Changeling, though, was kind of a mixture of things from White Wolf directly. Obviously, this Gen Con Vampire 5th Edition dropped. There were a ton of copies everywhere. And it included the snippet of text for the NPC version of all the other major supernaturals in the world of darkness to be used in your vampire games. The little piece of information on fairies was kind of interesting because they've done away with appearance. Now in broad system terms, I have no problem with doing away with appearance. I've never particularly liked it as a stat. It doesn't make sense that you increase it with experience it's just, it's, it's a weird stat. And so they've gone with the composure stat from New World of Darkness, which is cool, great, I'm down for that. But it does put the she in a weird place. And what was interesting, even though it's just a little snippet of text, is the NPC fairy they wrote up, because vampires don't know about changelings, why would they, was listed as a she. They, they picked the kith that is least suited in its currently published form to their new stat layout. And they gave the she seven charisma. The she is also, you know, going through the city on its own bizarre errand, you know, and doesn't care about blood lappers, which I like that they framed it as this fairy is moving through your, you know, dark world and doesn't really care about you. You're not that important. Because changelings don't always get framed that way, uh, especially when dealing with vampires. But diving in and giving them charisma. Now, obviously, this is super early when they actually get into developing the game. That might change. But that that does some really interesting things to the she. I, I'm curious. What do you think about that, Simon? I don't really have very strong opinions on that. I've always had a little bit of a problem with the way World of Darkness broke down stats, so I'm willing to see what happens there, and you know, it just kind of falls into the standard 
role-playing game trope that charisma is a magical ability. I mean, it certainly does. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> charisma can be a magical ability. So yeah, I mean, that's that's really all that came out of V5 as it pertains to Changeling, but it it's an interesting piece of text. If anyone near you has a copy of the book, it's worth taking a peek at the stats. The bigger announcement from White Wolf, though, is the big production Changeling LARP. The name of the production Changeling LARP is Changeling Waking Dreams. And so this LARP is part of White Wolf's big licensing plans. This will not use the By Night Studios system. This is not a parlor LARP. You won't have stat sheets where you throw rock, paper, scissors. This is a big pay for a ticket. There'll be a production experience event. They've had a couple of these, I think, only in Europe at this point. I don't think they've produced one of these in America yet. So Changeling Waking Dreams is happening in Atlantic City in April. And so, one, it's the first big production, I guess you could say Nordic-style LARP. I might be misusing that term. If anyone wants to correct me, go ahead. But the first big production narrative experience in the U.S. and the first one for Changeling. The ones in Europe that I know of are They've held the Convention of Thorns for two years, so obviously a vampire focus there. And I think most people sort of figured they'd produce these as they got to the game lines. White Wolf released an announcement a year, a year or so ago saying that they might not wait for the games to come out to do things with the later lines. I had kind of forgotten about that. And then this announcement dropped. If you go to the website, which is AtlanticCityDreams.com, they have design documents for the LARP since it doesn't use the BNS system. They have to do a little bit more of a, a lift so you know what to expect. They're not huge, but they're worth looking at. The whole premise behind this produced event is it, it takes a side off the canon at the end of the second edition era. So it's it references C20 in some of its magic effects examples, but the canon line is more directly off of the old canon in an alternate direction into the present. They have High King David having died, and Maelg ascended to become the High King, and then there was some prophecy. I don't know if he soothsayed it or one of his court denizens soothsayed it, but he was going to have a terrible reign, and the Fomorians would come back, and there'd be this dark horrible, violent, destructive, basically end-time scenario if he remained king. And so, basically, he goes, oh no, screw that. He gathers up all of the Shi, or m most of the Shi. Maybe there's still an Autumn-Arcadian divide. I'm not totally certain based on what they wrote. And they flee back into the Dreaming. They pull the second shattering. I don't think they use that terminology, although I've heard other people use that terminology to describe this pitch. And... Almost all changelings go into winter. It's called the withering autumn, and they forget what they are. The exception being if a changeling basically lives an entirely glamorous human life as well as living an entirely glamorous changeling life, then they can remain themselves. And so these are, you know, performers and people traveling in carnivals and people who live in artist communes and that's their entire world. There doesn't seem to be much of an emphasis on the fact that those are all kind of freehold models and 
bedlam question mark. They're not dealing with that. I don't think they want to. This is a much, much more rebellious, in-your-face, messy, defiantly against the winter kind of changeling. There's no real feudal structure here to speak of. The setting of the LARP itself is one of these collectives of changelings that have maintained glamour. Get the feeling they're traveling, performing, freehold troop. Their king is dying. And so they're doing a final hurrah for their king. I don't know whether that's physical death, chimerical death. I, I think that's intentionally left vague because, you know, you have to go to the LARP to get the full story. But that's the pitch, and... All these other changelings who have been chimerically dead for oh, probably a decade or more at this point, when they come into contact with these intense pockets of glamour, they can come back to themselves for brief periods of time before re-entering the world. And so most of the player characters will be playing those sorts of changelings. There's a whole like track called the rekindling, which focuses on you being a changeling that is from previous resurgence era and you have history and memory there there's also a track called the burning rebel so i think you can play changelings that are part of this group but you will be given characters there's not like a creation process so that's kind of the pitch we'll get into some more details about it you know to stop there at the canon pitch what are your thoughts on that simon now that you've had a little bit of time to think about it I like the alternate canon pitch. I like the idea of making stuff breaking and new stuff having to cycle into reality and the world of the Fae generally a more core idea, a more core part of Changeling because it always felt to me like it should be. The way 2nd edition and the way C20th kind of dealt with that was always like, no, the shattering happened, that was it. Yeah, the resurgence happened. That was it. It was never these things continue to happen over and over and over kind of a thing. So I like the idea there that if you have a more a more synthesized identity as a changeling, that you're somehow more resilient in the face of intense banality is something that we talked about in the Queer Themes episode. And I, I feel like that should have a place in the game just based on what was written, I feel a lot like the way they've skipped ahead to Changeling here. New White Wolf seems to be floating test balloons for a bunch of their different ideas about what direction to take Changeling. And it's a pretty, it's pretty clever to have a LARP where people pay to come in and be your test crowd. Yeah, I mean, I I will say I talked with Donna Devere at the White Wolf booth for a little bit because she was working the booth and talking with anyone who had questions. And they did list these big production LARPs as one of their license pillars. They're really trying to push themselves as a licensing company. They released V5, but they're not going to be releasing the line of V5. They're going to license that out. And I think that's the plan for all of the big books. I know that she said they're rethinking the way they approach developing V5. That was their first big undertaking. They learned some lessons from it. They might not do Werewolf 5th the same way, and then they might keep evolving as they go. But they did list these LARPs as long-term strategic license pillar. 
But I do agree with Simon that I think in this case, jumping forward to Changeling, they are kind of playing out ideas. I talked with someone at Gen Con this year who had chatted with Elrickson last year and probably at the White Wolf booth. He said it was a pretty short exchange and Elrickson had said, because Changeling came up, that he really liked the idea of making Changelings kind of the outcasts, the outskirts of society. Looking at this, this totally fits that. I think Elrickson at that time was thinking about creatives, bohemians, that seems to line up with this. I really love this pitch for the Kithane. I think this is a great Kithane story. I have some reservations about how it'll work with the Galane. You know, the Galane and their place in the cultures that they come from, the non-European Fae do not have the same relationship. Not to say they never have the same relationship, but in a lot of cases, if you try to tell this story with a non-European fairy or character, you then also get into like, oh, but the reason they're marginalized is colonialism. And that just circles back on their relationship with the Cathane. So at the very least, I think it's a lot more complicated. But... The other thing that came up is White Wolf isn't really planning on developing their non-European content. They're licensing out to a company in Brazil for a Rio by Night book. They're licensing out to a company in Korea for a Seoul by Night book. If this is, you know, rough idea of where they're going and they get good feedback and they go with something like this-ish for C4, boom. You know, I'm not expecting any of these plot details to really reflect the canon. It's too far out. But if they go in this general direction and then the companies that produce the non-European content are given the leeway to do the necessary changes to make that work from their cultural, you know, framework, that that could be really awesome. That could kind of be what I've always sort of wanted out of Changeling. I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much because I know it won't play out exactly the way I want it to in my head, but I kind of have my fingers crossed on that direction. The one critique that I have for this setup, uh, the like the explanation of the, the withering autumn, that kind of grates now that I've had some time to think about it, is like we're getting back to that second edition definition of what is glamorous, and it's starting to we're kind of hedging out the more, well, mundane kinds of glamour. Like, if we're talking about creatives and artists and musicians, okay, what happened to Boggins? Like, I've read some really good poetry that was written by, you know, housewives who just had plenty of time to think about what they were doing with their poetry. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I think that's one of those things where I think for a first pass, that's the sort of critique I would expect to find. If my hope would be this will happen, there'll be feedback both through media like this podcast and maybe more directly to White Wolf at cons, and some of those issues will come up and they'll synthesize that stuff in. You know, the thing about V5, V5 has had a rough and tumble life getting to where it is now. And my partner bought a copy of V5. I've had a chance to look through it a little bit. I haven't read it in any detail because main seven Camarilla clans is not really my bag. 
But I downloaded the pre-alpha because I was lined up to run the alpha at Gen Con and I wanted to kind of get to know the system. And before I had read any of like the mess about the pre-alpha online, I downloaded it and started reading it. And man, the mess was immediately apparent to me that that text bothered me and had far more substantial critiques than what I would say I have of this. And I do have some, I agree with what Simon just said. There's the Galen angle. They're absent, not just not written about, but like this frame doesn't work for them. And I will say the alpha fixed most of the problems that came up with the pre-alpha, V5. What I've seen, it isn't perfect, but it's better. It's a lot better in a lot of ways, systematically and from a content standpoint. So my hope is they get good feedback on those sorts of things. This is also licensed out to a company. The company at least doesn't have any World of Darkness history. I don't know about the specific people they got to lead the production of this event. I'm guessing from what I've read, those individuals do have history with Changeling and World of Darkness, but I'm not certain. There, There is a little bit of this is a much more narrow scope of what Changeling has been, and I don't know how much of that we should expect moving forward. The other thing about this, though, that I did want to talk about is this design document does something I've never seen Changeling do before, and that's that it just calls out that Changelings are coded as queer. And I mean, it uses the queer word, and it uses it several times, and it talks about queer artists. There are a couple places where it talks about us as queer individuals and our relationship with the art that is produced out of our community. It talks about one of the main activities at the festival being learning about queer and marginalized individuals. I mean, it just, we've clearly talked about the fact that a lot of changeling is coded with queer themes, with gay themes and, you know, gender non-conforming themes, but I've never seen it just called out in an official text like this. And it's, it's pretty impressive how expansive the topic is dealt with in like a 20, 30 page design document. So I'm going to read a a tiny piece of text from the design document for the main LARP. Finally, the Burning Revel is a party of exquisite identities. This is a space for exploring different personas and archetypes, both in the narrative sense and in the sense that most characters in this game are written as queer, or at least queer coded. This is a game about what it means to exist in a world where one's identity is both a source of joy and a potential danger. And then it goes on farther. I've had some time to really sit with this now, and and it just, it totally took me by surprise when I first read it. And it was, seeing it called out, just immediate emotional reaction was really weirdly fulfilling for me to just see this type of story about identity and nonconformance framed around queer experience so boldly felt really great. Now that I've had some time to sit with it, I love this angle. I again think it gets a little weird when you get into the Galane because they're really not coded the same way necessarily. You certainly could code Galane individuals as queer or even certain communities, but it's not as universal a coding. What do you think about this, Simon? Like, what do you think about handling this so directly as opposed to coding it into the game? My 
my immediate reaction was pretty much the opposite of yours. My immediate reaction was, okay, they're being really explicit about this. This is part of their design. And then I like looked over my shoulder at V5's early bits and I was like, oh, I hope they don't mess it up quite that bad. There are a lot of weird issues that arise kind of organically. Like if this is if this is line direction rather than this events direction, you end up in some weird spaces where creativity and queerness are sort of soft linked. And I don't know how comfortable I am with that. It's, and like, it's totally just reading subtext that might not be there and I'm willing to admit that, but considering how bad they've been with like, noticing not entirely subtle things about their own writing so far. I don't know. I don't know what I think. I mean, I completely understand that apprehension. The text that's in here, which admittedly is is limited, it does kind of run into that queer equivalent of creativity space. That's certainly a theme and a trope and there is a certain amount of overrepresentation of queer individuals in a lot of creative ventures although certainly not all of them and overrepresentation is not equivalence so there's the potential for that to get a little bit weird i still like the idea of I like the idea of an event like this existing and of texts that deal directly with overrepresentation of queerness among changelings. I would be fine with that being a thing. Again, the statement that changelings are mostly queer or queer coded jumps the shark a bit for me, but I also kind of feel that it falls into territory where after I mean, basically all of modern media production history, this level of queerness is underrepresented. I mean, right now we have pretty solid gay, lesbian, and even increasingly bi representation, and we're starting to have a sort of simple, I'll say more understandable binary trans representation. The messier parts of queer identity are still more or less completely absent from mainstream media couple places I've seen play with them but the thing that's coming to mind most is Sense8 and Sense8 still stays in territory that I would argue is designed to be understandable by a mass consuming audience this is not making that attempt it's really not making that attempt so I don't expect it to be perfect this at least is better than the early stuff I saw from V5 it's also starting with a licensed product. So I, I can almost guarantee that the folks from White Wolf were doing more review than actual creation on this. Probably they gave them some guidelines and themes they wanted to see tapped, but I doubt they did the direct development. So, I mean, I don't know how much yeah. this really opens up. What will it look like when a C4 product is produced? Right, like, I need to keep in mind that like I said earlier, this is probably just floating test balloons and it's not ever going to be final product level. But I think some stuff from here could end up in final product level. So it's 
that's certainly the biggest thing that jumped out at me to pay attention to. And really, anytime, you know, we're de-emphasizing how important the she are, I'm behind that one. So at least we have that. <laughs> yeah, I totally. <laughs> yeah, I thought that as well. That's, that's the other kind of Ghislaine thing that jumped out at me, though, is like, Mayo left. He took the she with them. Man, the Nunya, he would throw a party. Like, all of the commoners went into sleep, and the she are gone? Man, you know, break out the music. <laughs> like, yeah, <That's>, the... F- <laughs> uh, Shadowrun did that, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they were careful, they could do a, you know, um, how to say, a white Concordia shattering where, in the power vacuum, all of the marginalized non-European groups suddenly staked out territory and actually had some representation. Oh, that would be... I mean, that, that gets into one of those arguments I've seen about speculative fiction, where speculation doesn't always need to be horrible, dystopian, terrible. We can also imagine what better might look like. Not territory White Wolf has spent a lot of time traipsing through, especially with the world of darkness, but, you know, fresh edition, fresh direction, right? Yeah, and if you're selling the vanilla book to cover the Eurofay, then... You know, there's a story to be told about the terror of suddenly equality being a thing and my privilege not existing anymore. <laughs> tears, tears. Yeah, I I can hear the flame wars already, but I would buy that book. <laughs> the other thing we wanted to talk about was we're going to be taking a small hiatus while we... Uh, we've mostly decided on the direction we're going to go in. And we just need some time to build up a, a buffer because about half of the episodes we're planning on doing are production heavy. And that takes some time. As a preview, we are going to be doing fiction episodes, basically radio dramas that explore a concept or a theme in Changeling that we feel didn't get enough development or didn't, would benefit from having some, you know, house rules to expand on a little bit. And then we'll do some more traditional, like, we're exploring this topic explicitly episodes. During the hiatus, we might be able to squeeze out a couple of episodes covering things that happen like the new by night studios slice for changeling are coming out or something like that until january we're pretty much going to be in radio silence yeah and i just wanted to say you know when we started this crazy thing 18 19 ish months ago episodes didn't start that long ago but we were working on it that long ago you know we thought oh a few people will listen this will be a fun diversion neither of us were really prepared for the wave of listeners or support we've gotten and i just really want to thank everyone who's listened given us feedback especially the number of people who legitimately say they're using ideas from the podcast in their campaigns makes me really happy i like to think that we've gotten some ideas that we've been bouncing around for years before we started this 
out into a broader audience and that that's cool and that it's enriched what's available in Changeling for, for our listeners. We will be back. Like Simon said, the format's going to be a little bit different. There'll be a little bit more production, but everything's going to be a little more paced and controlled. A lot of this came out of kind of hitting the end mark of our original episode plan, even the way it's expanded over the last 19 months, and realizing we needed to do something a little bit different. So expect more off-canon and more walked away from Arcadia than, than you got in Season 1. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you before the new year, but we will see you in earnest in the new year. This has been Walking Away from Arcadia. 